This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, January 29th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk, and I thank you all for being here this hour. And as always, there's a lot to talk about. The coronavirus is still in the headlines and still affecting global markets. We had Fed Day today. And as expected, they are leaving trades alone for now. But, you know, there's more talk around their quantitative easing program, uh, their, their new money printing program, and how long it's going to last. Uh, they basically said until at least April, and then they may start tapering it slightly. And that's, you know, they don't, they don't want to get rid of it if they, if they don't have to, right? But they want to show the market that they are trying to step back from the policy in some way, but they're talking about a reduction of $5 billion a month, which is, you know, in the grand scheme of things of a four and over $4 trillion balance sheet is very small. It just shows you how careful they're, they're, they're being at trying to manage out of this. Right. Um, and we all know they're not going to be able to, they're all, they're going to, they're going to return to some sort of stimulus. It's just a matter of when, and, uh, I don't think we got an answer to that today. So that was really the gist of uh, the Fed news during today. And, you know, our job here, however, is to calibrate things for you. And as we enter or we're in the final trading week of January, we've seen volatility spike up a little bit. We had just a couple days ago on Monday close equities were down for the month uh, or for the year, I guess you could say same thing. Uh, now we bounce back a little bit. Uh, modest down day today. Uh, overall, SP was down slightly. Small caps were down the most, but we ended kind of near the lows of the day, which was interesting. I said this after we'll know a little bit more about the market reaction, how happy they are about the the news um, by the end of the day. And and I think at least the preliminary report is that they're not very happy. That it's not enough. Uh, for what the Fed is planning on doing. So uh, we'll see if there's follow through tomorrow. I think that'll be most important. If we break the lows from Monday, I think that's when you see a more protracted downturn. But we're going to get into that a little bit more later. And as we know, as you know, hopefully, Steve and I are committed to help you each and every weekday. And it's an ongoing process. And we want to help you work towards your financial freedom goals. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you will call me in this hour. And through this Invest Talk radio program and podcast, our company, KPP Financial, and I can help you become a better investor. That's, that's really our goal. And we do this with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success each day here on Invest Talk and at KPP. Now, it's really quite simple. Our investments ride alongside our client investments. We call that parallel investing. So we do it together at KPP, and we do it together here on Invest Talk as well. So now that I've set the table, I'm here ready to answer your investing questions. Our anytime listener line is open, so I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Now, my main talking point today concerns a report from chief analyst at Morgan Stanley, 
see his official title, Chief U.S. Equity Strategist. He's calling for a pullback. How much, though, is the big question, and we're going to get into that. Also, news or some a topic that I didn't get to yesterday, at least, was about housing slowdown globally. You know, it's not just here in the United States, but globally we're seeing the real estate markets kind of uh, sputter, which is pretty interesting and for various reasons, uh, but it's uh, important. You know, global asset prices in a lot of ways are... Uh, Real estate is the most important asset class for uh, a lot of portfolios. So not just here, but abroad as well. So we're going to dig into that. Also, the election coming up in just about what, nine months, less than nine months. We have the Iowa caucus on the Democratic side coming starting, in, I think, next week. Is that next week? And probably by sometime at the end of February, we're going to know who the Democrat Democratic candidate is going up against Trump, uh, and will there be a third party throwing their hat in the ring as well? That's something to watch as well. But we're we're going to go over kind of the potential political risks that are coming with the election, and what could be positive as well as negative for markets. And then lastly, retirement dreams. Before it used to be a million dollars, and now it's probably closer to three. And we're going to talk about why and what you need to get there. Let's go to Glenn in Pleasanton. He's looking at Iron, Mount, Iron Mountain Incorporated. Yes, hi. Am I on? You are on, yes. Okay, sorry about that. No, I just look at it, and I look at the dividend, and I look at their uh, getting in the data centers, and they seem to be doing the right things, and it looks like a no-brainer to me, but I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Okay, so for everybody else, this is Iron Mountain. They provide record management, data protection, and information destruction services. You know, it used to be mainly the uh, they would come out and they would destroy your documents, right? They would uh, grind all your documents for security, uh, and they've 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 switched a little bit uh, of their business over time with that cash flow, which has to sustain them uh, at least a little bit for um, a little while, allow them to reduce their debt overall, which is a positive. Uh, what do you know about that switch and why do you think it's uh, positive for the name? Oh, I just look at it that they're getting into the data centers. Every time I go on their site, mm-hmm. they're, they're building or adding the data centers, which to me seems like a move towards the future and they're making all the right changes and they've got a great dividend. So that's just my thoughts, and I'm wondering if I'm wrong and not thinking deeply enough. No, I, I think you're. I think you're correct. They're actually they're actually structured, I believe, like a uh, a REIT. If I'm not, yeah, it's organized as a REIT. So that's something to consider as well. That 7.7 percent dividend is going to be taxed at ordinary income tax rate. So it's probably best to hold that uh, in a, in a tax deferred account. Just be, to be aware of that. Um, they, yeah. they, I like the trend of their business. I'll say that. And they are, I wouldn't say they're cheap, but they're not expensive either. Enterprise value even is 12. Uh, I, I like that uh, near the low end of its uh, longer term range. So I actually kind of like this. I like this. Uh, the chart is not fantastic. I wouldn't say it's terrible, but it's certainly not strong. You know, its relative strength is 27, which is, means majority of stocks in the market over the last year have been stronger. 
Um, so that worries me. Revenues are flat year over year. Earnings are up 7% last quarter after a couple quarters of shrinking uh, earnings. So I like that. And earnings are up 33% this in 2019 and 6% this year. So you know, I like the trend of their business. This is not a deep value play, but I like that they're they're switching their business to something that is more sustainable long term. So I'm actually I'm actually a fan of this. Iron Mountain I R M. Thanks for the call, Glenn. This is Invest Talk, streaming live Monday through Friday in the four o'clock Pacific time hour, and available for free download as a condensed podcast as well. And you can browse by topic at investtalk.com. You want to look at a particular stock or a particular you know, IRA, whatever it is, you can search there and you'll find the show that we talk about it in. So hopefully you can check that out over at investtalk.com. You can also download, review, and rate it at Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. And now I'm taking your finance and investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, as we have done every day this week, let's do a coronavirus update. In China, we have, they've reported 6,000 cases and at least 132 deaths. You know, can we trust those numbers? I don't know, but Japan, certainly, uh, I think we can. Six reported cases there, two in Vietnam. And we have five here in the United States, and that hasn't changed since Monday, which is a, a good thing. Two here in California, LA and Orange County. Uh-oh. We're in Orange County, but... You know, I'm not going to uh, get too worked up over it uh, because those people are in quarantine uh, and it's not really spreading. So that's a positive, at least outside of China. Inside China, that's another story. I, I do think there there needs to be some precautions. There have been some precautions taken. Uh, and on the economic front, you've seen Royal Caribbean cancel three trips because of the outbreak. American Airlines has suspended Shanghai and Beijing flights from L.A. British Airways has canceled all flights to and from China. And, you know, it sounds bad, but it's it's minor right now. You know, this is a, a few-week problem, and a few-week problem doesn't change the dynamics of, of markets and economies. So I, would, I, I do think the headlines around... Uh, a sell-off created by the coronavirus are still just headlines. I don't think they're reality quite yet. I think this needs to drag out for more like months uh, before it has a, a broader impact. Right now, it's minor and temporary, uh, but it's something that we should continue to watch. And you know, even though the coronavirus has not been completely contained. The investors should have some confidence in U.S. government, at least, at least the U.S. government. Maybe not Chinese government, but the U.S. government, and they're acting like things are under control. So, I think right now we're fine, but we'll certainly continue to watch that. Now, as you know, Steve and I give a lot of weight to the importance of incorporating listener questions into the radio show and podcast. So let's get to one right now that came in earlier at eight 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 ninety nine chart. 
Hey, Steve and Justin. Um, name's Alan, South Carolina. Love the show, listen a lot, and I'm curious what the educational background would be if you were interested in becoming a certified investment advisor. Any help on that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot. All right, now I'll give you my background just uh, so you kind of understand where I've come from. Um, so I did my majors in, in college, or my major was was business with emphasis in finance uh, with uh, minor in economics. So uh, that kind of gave me the basis uh, of understanding uh, the business and economic world uh, and finance world. And so if you're if you're looking to lay down the basics, that's a good place to start. Uh, if you're at a university that has those types of, of majors. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that mix. Maybe it's uh, more focused on economics. Maybe it's more focused on entrepreneurship. Whatever that is, uh, you you just, I think, need some sort of basic business background, understanding how businesses uh, work on, on not just uh, an everyday basis, but in theory, uh, as well as you know accounting and cash flows, etc. That certainly helps. Now, if you want to become a professional, there are different avenues. The, the kind of older school way is become is getting your Series 7, and that's where you can sell products to get a commission. Uh, that could be uh, mutual funds. That could be um, different types of investment vehicles where you earn some sort of a commission. Now, I don't think that's the way of the future. I think commissions are going away. You've seen that with TD Ameritrade and Schwab and all these other uh, brokers that have zero percent commissions and or, yeah, zero commissions and uh, more towards what we are, which is a registered investment advisor who are also fiduciaries. Where, where fiduciaries means we have to put our clients ahead of our own interests. Whereas if you're a broker, Series Seven, you don't necessarily need to do that. There is a different standard there, but. There's talk, and I think eventually it'll get through, especially if you get a Democrat in the White House, they'll probably push through the best interest uh, clause, which basically makes everybody in this industry a fiduciary. So I think you should start off that way as a fiduciary. Get your Series 65 is what we have, uh, and that will get you in the door as a registered investment advisor. So I hope that helped you with a little background there. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm taking your questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Justin Klein is here today, and Steve Peasley is in New York City to meet with registered listeners who have decided to take advantage of Steve's offer to receive a no-cost and no-obligation portfolio consultation. It's all about financial freedom. The conversation continues now, and your questions are welcome. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story one market analysis believes Analyst, excuse me, believes the first stock market correction since October has begun. And basically, this is uh, the head U.S. strategist at Morgan Stanley. But his at least prediction is not really that groundbreaking. Uh, you know, a correction is a decline of 10% or at least 10% or more. 
And he's predicting something about half that, which, you know, at the end of the day is not really that big a deal. Uh, a majority of years, there's at least a 10% correction at some point uh, in, in the markets. I know that doesn't feel like that. Uh, if you've only been in the markets for the last uh, 10, 12 years or so, you probably rarely have seen that uh, because of uh, Federal Reserve action. However, over the history of markets, 10% correction is fairly normal. Now, he sees the coronavirus as a potential catalyst here. But he sees the any decline being minor because of Fed action. Right? He says, market slump is likely to be limited due to a Federal Reserve that has proven quickly to provide liquidity to stalled out markets as well as ultra-low interest rates. He's recommending... Defensive names, you know, utilities, REITs, et cetera, over emerging markets and small caps. And I, I would say I agree with that. And if you look in markets right now, small caps are down for the year. Okay. Uh, if you look at the NYSE, that's also down for the year. So equities kind of in general are down for the year. If you look at just narrow index is the Q's, S&P, uh, that they might be up slightly, but overall equities are down for the year. And we're down from the highs about 3% or so. So another couple percent is not out of the realm of possibility and wouldn't be a shocker and shouldn't shock anybody. Okay. So he did predict a similar type of exhaustion in markets in July of 2018, uh, which meant he was actually a little early, right? We didn't see a rollover until the end of September, actually October of 2018. So it was, it was a few months, months early. And the thing I probably disagree most with this take is that it will be short-lived because of Fed action. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to say, I think any pullback in markets that are more broad-based, 5% plus, maybe close to that full 10% correction, are actually going to be caused by Fed action, right? Or lack thereof, or an action to reduce their balance sheet, which they kind of hinted out today. Now, they're certainly likely to reverse that once it gets bad enough. But I think it would take more than a 5% correction for the Fed to step in. I think 10% or more is probably likely before the Fed reverses what they're planning on doing, which is shrink shrink the balance sheet a little bit. Let's go to Jerry in Palo Alto looking at AT&T. So they, they took a hit today, and I'm wondering, I'm up 20% on that investment. It's one of my bigger holdings. Do I mm -hmm. take the money and run? Do I mm -hmm. sell some of it? Or do they already take the big hit? Well, from a technical perspective, on the daily chart, it's definitely rolled over. Uh, on, on a weekly chart, it's still above its 200-week moving average. And I think there is still a lot of support right around the, let's see, about 20, 36 range. And right now, we're at 37.05. So I think there's still uh, about 3 to 4% to the downside where it would maintain uh, its kind of bullish consolidation and not really have uh, a technical break to the downside. Uh, so we're, we're definitely closer to, the, to that level. Uh, I'm sure you bought it kind of where we did, around the 30 range, right? Correct, right there. Yeah. So 
you know, I, could could you see a rever a, 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 a decline all the way to maybe 35, 34? Certainly. Um, but it depends on your time frame. From a technical perspective, if you're trying to protect gains, yeah, it's broken its daily uptrend. That's for sure. But on the longer term time frames, it's still in an uptrend. It's still above major moving averages. There's a lot of support between you know, here and, and about $34 or so. So it depends on your time frame. You know, they yield 5.6%. So are you after the dividend or are you after capital appreciation, Jerry? Uh, I love the dividend, but who doesn't like the capital appreciation as well? Yeah, uh, I mean, it just depends on your time frame. I, I still like AT and T. I like the the strategy and their pivot uh, towards content. Uh, HBO acquisition. Now, could they be a little smarter? Was their acquisition of uh, Directv smart? Probably not. Uh, do they need to gain a little more traction around HBO and really pivot towards the quality of that content versus like a Netflix? Probably. Um, but I like the you know the five G rollout, the Internet of Things, uh, all all of the the all of it together makes for to me uh, a picture that is rosier than what you saw last quarter, which still had earnings go up three percent. So um, I still like the name long term, but you know I think in the near term you it's not unlikely to see you know a thirty four thirty five handle on this name. Thanks for the call, Jerry. On the next Invest Talk, a Congressional Budget Office, the CBO, is now predicting the U.S. national debt will rise to $31.4 trillion by 2030. That's tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. Give me a call at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Invest Talk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. This is Invest Talk. We're in a new year and the markets have already shown some volatility. But you can remain calm. Justin Klein is here, ready to answer your questions and provide his unbiased investing guidance. The phone lines are open, so call now, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at Slumberger. Yes. Hi, Justin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Hey. Um, yeah, I'm interested in it because... Well, it seems like it's inexpensive at the moment, and it's um, got a very nice dividend. So I wonder if the dividend is sustainable, um, or if you just think that because of the oil downtrend, it's going to have problems. Thank you. Well, clearly, if oil does continue its downtrend into the you know maybe the thirty handle, 
uh, that's going to hit the sector as a whole. So uh, you, there's always a price where oil names come undone. Uh, and you're kind of seeing that in the natural gas space where a lot of companies that have excessive natural gas exposure, Exxon's a good example of that, uh, and uh, more targeted natural gas plays are really getting hit. Those are the names that, you know, eventually the, the price is so low that production gets shut down, it's unprofitable to produce, and, and that really hits the earnings, cash flow, sales of those businesses. Schlumberger is no exception. Uh, their business is more broad-based, more international than just here in the United States, right? They're an oil service drill or oil, oil in the oil services field, right? So they help the producers get the oil out of the ground, who actually own the the assets and drilling rights, okay? They provide the technology services, project management, information solutions to the industry, okay? So the yield is about 6%, and if you look at earnings, they're not doing so hot. But from a cash flow perspective, they're still producing very strong cash flows. Even though they haven't grown since 2017, they're still around the same amount. But the fact that oil is still markedly lower from those 2016 levels shows me that they're able to pivot and uh, are able to maintain their cash flows even in a tough environment. Uh, and once again, we talk about earnings all the time, and earnings can be manipulated both positively and negatively. You write down the value of assets like Slumber's Day has done, that's certainly going to hit your profits. And that's why cash flows to us are more important, and they've stayed, they've stayed steady. Operating cash flow in 2017 was 5.6 billion, and trailing 12 months is 5.4 billion in a challenging environment. So I think they've uh, they've done well uh, to maintain that, and I think their dividend, at least for now, is relatively safe because their debt levels are not too poor, and they're still producing pretty strong cash flows, and so. I like Schlumberger. You're going to have to handle some volatility, but I do think that dividend is relatively safe. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let's touch a little bit on the global, global real estate market. You know, we've seen a little bit, we've seen a fairly strong market in real estate here, at least residential real estate here in the United States through kind of the back half of 2019. But across the world, from the United Kingdom, the China to Australia, last year, the real estate markets in many places grew at the slowest rate since the financial crisis. Across 23 countries, this is from the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, inflation-adjusted home prices in those countries grew just 1.8% in the third quarter of 2019. That's down from a peak of 4.3 in 2016. That's after rates had a pretty big sharp drop into that third quarter. Now, in 18 large economies worldwide, residential investment dropped year over year for four consecutive quarters through that third quarter. That's the longest stretch of decline since 0809. Now, what's driving this? Well, affordability constraints to some degree but also heightened uncertainty around 
U.S.-China trade war, Brexit, protests in Hong Kong, which is one of those large real estate markets. And that all of those things weighed on home buyer sentiment. And the slowdown isn't turning into a bust for for by any sake of or any stretch of the imagination. But what it's saying is global growth continues to stall. And while certain metrics have perked up a little bit, low in interest rates have not had the corresponding effects that it typically has on interest rate sensitive sectors like real estate. And home prices in these large cities are actually pulling back some. The index of high-end markets in 45 cities, this is measured by Knight Frank, a a London-based real estate consulting firm, so the index only grew 1.1% in the third quarter, and that's down from 3.4% in the same period in 2018 and 42 in 2017. So we're kind of bumping up against that ceiling of, of what low interest rates can do for real estate markets globally, right? Here, you're seeing mortgage rates 3.5% or so. But... Elsewhere in the world, you see negative rates on bonds, uh, you know, uh, on, on uh, government bonds, and that feeds into mortgage prices in those countries as well. Now, there's some other factors at play. Vancouver introduced a foreign buyer tax of 15% in 2016, and that's slowly eroded that market a little bit. And they rose, they, they increased it actually to 20% in 2018. Seoul, South Korea tightened mortgage regulation and price caps on residences. New Zealand banned overseas investors from buying existing homes. Investment here in the United States in 2019 from China, for example, slowed dramatically and actually declined. So this isn't a bust, but it's certainly a stagnation in the real estate market. So I think that's interesting to to watch what that trend looks like uh, over time here as we you know continue to slow uh, in the economy globally. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you're in good company. We do keep statistics, or at least Libsyn, who hosts our podcast, does. And our podcast downloads an average 450,000 times each month, and we have surpassed the 20 million download mark. So, Stephen, I thank you for that. Be sure to tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk Podcast and our website as well, investtalk.com. And of course, you can call our KP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800 557 5461. We'd love to help you with that. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888 99 Chart. Here are the directions for reaching Steve this afternoon with your question. Just call 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T. Have a question about how best to get into the market? Or maybe you're feeling unsure about your current investments. That's what this is all about. This is InvestTalk. Hi, this is uh, Justin from Milwaukee. I just want to 
first off, give a shout out. Uh, I've been listening to Invest Talk for just over a month now, and it's uh, given me some very useful tips. I'm definitely a novice in this game right now. I just threw in uh, my first amount of cash into just an E-Trade account, um, and I invested that, and I'm ready to start putting some more money into that. I want to know what you think for someone like me. I'm 31 years old, and I'm new at this. Are ETFs something to get into? I know you kind of want to diversify your portfolio, but I guess what are your takes on ETFs for uh, beginning investors? Thank you. Well, beginning investors typically don't have the experience of understanding volatility in the markets, individual companies, the the risks of different sectors, how to value companies in those different sectors. Uh, And so ETFs are a good intro way to get into the market, get broad-based diversification instantly, uh, and you know low expense ratio, and allow you to make simple uh, choices. Let's just say that. Uh, now, will they teach you a whole lot? I don't think so. Steve is going to kind of push you towards ETFs. I tend to like to push people, especially new people, to companies that they understand uh, you know, the Apples of the world, the Googles of the world. And, you know, those are, are companies people can relate to. But also making sure you diversify into not just those exciting names, the tech names, but uh, other kind of bare bone basic industry companies, you know, AT&Ts and Verizons of the world. That's a good way uh, to start thinking uh, about companies that you probably use. You know, you're probably using one of those for your cell phone service. Uh, so, Trying to understand different sectors, I think it will be better for you to invest in individual names that you can uh, you understand their business, uh, and then start to teach yourself more about all the different sectors. There's eleven, I think, different sectors to look at and understand. They all have their pros and cons. They all have their great companies and poor companies. They all have their different risk characteristics and volatility characteristics that you probably need and should understand over time. And I think you'll learn more in that way. Now, if you don't want to go through that endeavor and that journey of becoming more educated about particular companies and, and, and the stock market in general, you know, indexing into ETFs and uh, a, a broad set of ETFs across different asset classes, right? Equities, bonds, precious metals, re- real estate, etc. Um, REITs are, or sorry, ETFs are a good place to go because you get instant diversification and instant access to those those names. And you don't have to do a whole lot of work. So a lot of it depends on where you see your journey going. Is it very basic? Stick with ETFs. If you want to really have a strong understanding of what you're owning and what you're buying, uh, then I think individual names are going to teach you a lot more over time. And guess what? You're you're young. You're new. You're you're still saving. And if you make a mistake with a couple thousand dollars, it's not the end of the world. You make a mistake with mistake with a million dollars, you know that can really change your future financial life. So it's better to learn those mistakes early. And that's why I like individual companies because you can learn better. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. Let's touch a little bit on the election here. Uh, you know, we're just about eight months away from the election. And 
we should see a nominee elected on the Democratic side to be put up for election in the next, what, six weeks or so. And there's various levels of worry around the election, I think, in the marketplace. Now, Davos, the recent economic uh, World Economic Forum in Davos, if you talk to CEOs and executives from U.S. and Europe, they, they really think Trump is going to get reelected. Uh, and based on economic models, strictly economic models, Trump is likely to get reelected. Right? Unemployment's low. Equity markets are relatively high. There's a big factor uh, in play in elections is on election day, what is the stock market? Is it up or down year over year? That can be very important. So certainly we have eight or nine months before that happens. Will that still be up year over year? I think that will be uh, interesting to see. Now, most of these executives, CEOs, they think Trump will win, but by a small margin. Uh, and this is where I think that the risk kind of comes in. Now, in the past three decades, only two presidents have won by more than four percentage points. And both of those were kind of special cases. Clinton won by more than 4% because of what Ross Perot and his third-party candidacy, which took a lot of votes from the Republican side. Barack Obama won by a landslide in 2008. Why? Because the economy was melting down. Right? So you have economy melting down, stock markets melting down. Typically, you're going to get a change in power. Shouldn't shock anybody. Now, if Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren get elected or put up for nomination, then you might see some more concern here. And actually, Bernie Sanders has surged in the polls over the past few weeks. So that's probably the biggest potential worry here when it comes to the election. And if that happened, and you saw a very left-wing candidate, well, health insurers might suffer, right? Medicare for all. Because that would change the, the, the healthcare system as a whole, and that would not be good for insurers. Now, the Republicans are likely to keep their hold on the Senate, and that also means that the tax cuts are unlikely to get reversed. Now, that's also a good thing for markets because markets tend to like gridlock. When you have a divided House and Senate, it's hard to get things done, hard to get things passed. Guess what that means? We kind of know what's happening in the future, in the next year or two. Probably not a whole lot. And typically, markets like that clarity. So certainly, some risks here when it comes to the election. And I think the biggest risk is putting up a very left-wing candidate on the Democratic side. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. We're going to our last break. So if you're going to call, you need to do it right now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, the Congressional Budget Office is now predicting that the U.S. national debt will rise to $31 trillion by 2030. 
possibly as much as 180% of GDP, and this will dampen economic growth. That story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. This is Joe from New York calling about the Hartford Capital Appreciation Fund, I-T-H-A-X. I've owned this for quite a while. It's done pretty well. Recently, Morningstar gave it some not-so-good reviews. Just wondering what your opinion on it is. Thank you. All right, looking at Hartford Capital Appreciation A share, I-T-H-A-X. First off, hopefully you didn't get to charge that 5.5% load because you should never uh, pay a load, especially in today's world or even in the last probably 10, 15 years. That's kind of been phased out. So you want to certainly avoid that. So don't put any more money into this. Uh, also, expense ratio is a little less than 1.1%. That's almost as much as our average client pays, uh, and you know we're more we're full, full service shop. So, uh, and it's a, it's a large cap blend, uh, very much like the SP 500. So, and it's it's been underperforming. So, uh, I definitely would, would would be cutting or eliminating your position here, uh, diversifying, probably. Look at your foreign exposure, add some foreign exposure to your portfolio, uh, precious metals as well, which uh, that did well today uh, on the back of more of a dovish Fed. Uh, and so that's that's the way I would be looking at it. Uh, I would certainly not be adding more, uh, and I would uh, look to reduce or eliminate your position in this thing because I think the fees are too high for, for what you're getting, which is you know not a whole lot. Uh, in relation to a lot of other types of uh, investments. So I would pass on ITHAX, Hartford Capital Appreciation. Now, let's close with your goals. Everyone has different goals for retirement and what they want to do, right? Uh, and a lot of people believe a million dollars is a lot of money. Uh, but as inflation has picked up and you know the cost of living has increased, a million dollars now is not a whole lot, uh, especially with interest rates where we're at today. You know, the, the previously the four percent withdrawal rate or four percent return on your investment was pretty easy, but in today's low interest world, it's difficult uh, and cost of living going up. Like I said, so. Before it was forty thousand dollars on a forty thousand four percent of a million dollars is forty thousand dollars. It's not a whole lot to get you a comfortable retirement. Two million gets you eighty thousand dollars. Solid, but not fantastic. I think one hundred twenty. You start getting a three million dollar mark. That's more realistic on that four percent withdrawal rate. Now, how do you get there? How do you get to that $3 million mark? And the reason I talk about this is because it's important to have finite goals. What is that number? And how do I get there? Now, if you use a 6% average annual return, which is a good inflation-adjusted return for equities, and a retirement age 67, which, you know, that's the full retirement age now, how much would you need to save a month to get to that $3 million mark? Now, if you started at 20 years old, which I know is pretty optimistic, you would need to save $1,000 $1, a month, $960 a month for 47 years. 
to get to that $3 million mark. Now, if you're like most people, you probably didn't save a whole lot in your 20s. Maybe when you hit 30, you start thinking about it. How much you need to save a month? That's $1,840 every month. Now, that sounds daunting today, probably. But as time goes on, remember, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if inflation continues, 18000 it's not going to feel like a whole lot of money. So understand that. And as you get raises and you improve your standard of living. Now, maybe even in your 30s, you didn't save. And you hit 40, and you really start thinking about it. Well, you need to start saving $3,720 per month for 27 years to get to that $3 million mark. So it just shows you how important it is to start early. How important the savings aspect of all this is more than the investment aspect. Hope that gave you some perspective. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. We'll be here tomorrow and Steve will return. Actually, no, Steve's coming back tomorrow and Friday. So please remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. <laughs>